If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Happy Redemption Thursday. So far lacking redemption. Haven't thrown out the games because I can't get a handle on anything now. We'll do something at the end. But I was thinking, as many of you have been today... About something else. And that guy next to me right there across the glass, we were together all those years ago. That's George Harrison saying. Um, for a national championship game that did not begin well. Did not begin well. At this time, specifically, Tom, I believe, um, I'm trying to think, had we boarded? Had we boarded the bus to go over to Pasadena? Or were we already there? No, not yet, because that game started at... We got there probably around 6 Eastern? I thought we got there a little bit earlier than that. Maybe 5 Eastern, Maybe five, but still, yeah, it was yeah. an hour ride. I think what we did was pre-recorded the last hour of that day's JCS, because it was mm-hmm, Monday, mm-hmm, in order to be mm-hmm. able to get on the police escort, because we weren't going to miss that. So that was really cool for those that... I give, we'll give you the behind the curtain because everybody's celebrating today the anniversary of the uh, national championship win over Auburn, thirty four thirty one. And uh, golly, you know, you go back and uh, there's a lot of things we can talk about here real quick. I, I wanted to acknowledge today because it was it was nearly perfect in a lot of ways. Hello, <laughs> my friend. Hello. You know, for me, uh, and and the reason I say it was nearly perfect in a lot of ways. Because we were so bad in the first half of that game, and we've all talked about the reasons and and on all of the things that happened, including Auburn playing well. Uh, but we were so bad in that first half that you you weren't entirely certain as you started that second half that these things could turn around in a way that uh, would leave you flying from California uh, to Tallahassee, well, not direct, uh, with a smile on your face permanent smile on your face, even as you slept from celebrating much of the night and day uh, leading up to said plane flight. Who are you talking to? Yeah. Uh, Next to a poor Auburn fan who got to see you snoozing away the margaritas and beers that we enjoyed. Again, who are you talking to? (laughs) So, by playing that poorly in the first half and then coming back and winning the game in dramatic fashion, it just makes it that much more indelible, right? Like it's now that you know the result, now that you've weathered the storm and handled it, it is more satisfying in a weird way than had we gone out and won 48 to nothing. Although at the time I would have gladly taken 48 to nothing. That would have been fun. Rocking chair wins for national championships don't have to happen all that often. Would have been nice. Didn't happen. That said, 
everything about that experience from staying at a luxurious hotel in Newport Beach, not far from uh, the late, great uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, abode, to uh, to getting on the media bus with the police escort over to Pasadena. That's a low-key thing about that particular event, too, because typically Rose Bowl attendees stay in Westwood or wherever mm-hmm. in California, right? L.A. proper. But because that Rose Bowl was so close in proximity and time to the BCS title game a week later, you had to go an hour south, essentially, with traffic to Newport Beach, and that's where we were holed up for the entire week because they, they weren't going to move things from Newport all the way up to L.A. It was just a hotel conflict. So we got to stay in a nicer part of L.A. proper or, or the greater L.A. area yeah. because of the fact that we were in the BCS title game and not the Rose Bowl. The next year, we were in L.A. Yeah, we were in Los Angeles. This is right. Yeah. yeah. And the weather the next year was a travesty. It was perfect when we were there for the national championship. The following year, where we get boat raced by Oregon, it was freezing and rainy for two of the days that we were out there. I, I can remember walking around L.A. going, now this is not what we do, Los Angeles. And I brought my wife to that one. So I've always told her then she's bad luck. She can't come to any more national championships or playoff games or anything like that. Because that, when she didn't come, we won the national championship. When she did, we you get boat raced. So when I got there, you got there a day before me. I did. And uh, I was flying. I was working for Warchant at the time. Uh-huh. They were the ones that put me up on assignment. So thank you, Gene. Eight years later, that was the assignment of a lifetime. I uh, flew into LAX, which was about an hour north of where we were staying, and there was no shuttle to speak of. I got in late. I connected through Phoenix, which has an unbelievably large terminal, does Phoenix. Yeah. But um, I land. It's in the fog, so it's a completely foggy night. The cab driver, nice enough guy, he wasn't listening to the Eagles. <laughs> it was 45 minutes or more to get to Newport Beach, so it's a, it's a hefty fare. And I needed to go uh, swipe the card. It wouldn't accept my card. This is a, at a time before I understood the idea of travel notifications on your cards. So I'm getting rejected left and right. We're driving around Newport Beach, and I said, my man, I'm good for it. Look at all this stuff that I have with me. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm going to try. You to pull over here. You're going to need to be patient with me <laughs> if that runs the meter up a little bit more. But another half an hour goes by. I yeah. go into the hotel first to the ATM. The ATM does not accept it. We finally found my bank's ATM. Thankfully, I didn't have, like, you know, Florida State Credit Union or right, something right, like that yeah. where I was completely screwed. Just out here taking shots at Florida State Credit no, Union. No, I'm kidding. Travel restrictions. So a half an hour goes by, finally. And it, there's a phone call that comes to my cell phone, double verification, boom. All right. So it took about two hours when it should have taken one to get settled into the hotel room, but then I'm there. The fog is the important part because the next day I walk out to the elevators to go down. Breathtaking. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you look outside. I didn't see any of that. All I saw was what you see at uh, Pebble Beach every other day when you watch the Pro-Am. It was unreal. And then you see mountains. And you're like, oh, my God. And then you go outside, you see palm trees and a beach. Gabriel Mountains, yeah. Holy cow. What a time. Yeah, you'll never top it. I mean, I don't think, I think it's fair to say, uh, no matter what, when Florida State wins its next national championship in football, which will be three years from now, uh, when that happens, wow, yeah, that's a declaration, heady, heady prediction. Yeah, uh, no, I, when Florida State wins their next national championship, and we're covering it and celebrating it, and, and all of those things, it will not live up to what we saw at the Rose Bowl because it was only after that Rose Bowl game that we all kind of owed those that prattle on 
about the greatness and the granddaddy of them all, that is the Rose Bowl. Uh, for years, we made fun of all of the announcers who would not. St- it was just a constant guffaw. You just got so tired. Like, guys, it's a bowl game. I mean, it can't be. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is vastly superior to every other bowl game. It's not even close. They're right. We were wrong. That setting is the perfect setting for at the time of day that that thing got. Oh, my God. It was perfect. It was better than the Rose Bowl. Like the next year, because the time of day, you got to sit in your seats and settle down, and that's when all the uh, the things happen, like the sunset and, and the temperature changes and all that crazy. stuff. That was like your pregame entertainment was just to stare at those mountains, whereas with the Rose Bowl, it kicks off and, it, and the sun's high in the sky, and you don't get to see that part of it until like the third and fourth quarter, but you're too locked in on the football game at that point. That's why that BCS title game was just perfect. Yeah, I, I can... I can I go back, and today, so this is one of the great things about uh, modern technology. And double-check, I think we may have just gotten to Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, That's always a dangerous uh, thing in the comments. Did I just say double-check, double-check, double-check? But one of the great things about modern technology is, while I am annoyed to be tethered at all times to devices in which people can reach out, regardless of your intent to get back to them, they know they've reached out to you, and you know it too. And you can't be free of that. <laughs> Not really. I mean, you can, but who amongst us is just leaving the cell phone in the house for a five-hour drive? It doesn't happen, you know? So bottom line is where I love it is the pop-up reminders of on this day. On this day, 2014. On this day, twenty. you know, I do love that. And so it is that those reminders presented themselves and uh i was just scrolling through with a fat smile on my face finding pictures buddy i found the pictures of you and i out there on the boardwalk in santa monica i found i mean well that was the next year yeah but i've got i mean i've got a ton of pictures Uh, well listen uh i've got the picture of uh you and me at that aforementioned hotel i've got all kinds of things that i forgot we had that was yeah. I met Bob Ryan in that particular. Well, trip, that was yesterday. incredible. You were elated. You were over the moon. I, I think the funniest yeah. part about you meeting Bob Ryan is I think you were more excited about that than any player you've ever met in any sport. And oh. and by the way, that mm. said, maybe maybe that's stretching it. But that said, one of the reasons is that he turned out to be an awesome dude. Yeah, he took the time. He lived up to your image and and thought of Bob Ryan. Like he's always been well thought of as a writer, right. but he turned out to be a great dude. Well, he was the blend of inquisitive. Like he's asking me questions about how I got there and what I do. But then also gruff, like the TV personality. Like it was perfect. I was like, "Okay, so you're you, and yet you're nice enough. I'm never going to take more than 5 minutes of your time, but you're going to say, "You know what? Yeah, you get 5 minutes." You don't get 60 seconds or 30 seconds. You get five full minutes. Like, thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was really cool. Plus, the setup there at that hotel was wonderful, too, for the media. As media suites go, my goodness. I mean, you, had, you got Jackaroot in one corner playing the Hunted Deer game <laughs> with the vest Jack, on. Jackaroot decided that was his game and his game only forever. And, uh, you know, of course, Jackaroot sat over there with a drink in his hand shooting fictitious deer. And uh, or digital deer, <laughs> digital deer, yeah, yeah. And he was just—I mean, he loved that game, and he took it very seriously. That's a lasting memory for everybody at home. Jack Aroot playing uh, deer hunter or whatever the hell the name is. Yeah. And then there was uh, Dari and Bilotti 
They were watching the Orange Mike Bowl with Bilotti us. and Dari Noka. They weren't as thrilled to be in the Correct. suite with everybody else. They didn't else. feel good about Well, Bilotti was fine, but he was drinking rosé. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> he was drinking rosé. It was a chilled glass. You could see it. I was okay. like, what, what, what are we doing, my man? That's a choice. My that, man's over here drinking rosé. That is a choice. Yeah, because they were the ones that were holding it down when they were doing those uh, you know, wall-to-wall coverage events. So that, that little riser in the main ballroom where we had breakout interviews, they would be the MCs for that event. But I, I think they were hoping that there would be an additional executive suite or party suite on a different floor. Just by the general aura you got when they sat down at yeah. the island bar with everybody else. Like, they don't want to be talked to. Okay, I, I spoke fine. very briefly to both, but I wanted them you to did? be. Yeah, very briefly. But I wanted them to be alone with a rosé. And so they could enjoy themselves. Dari, partly I wanted to talk to because he's an OU guy. So I just want to talk about the Sooners a little bit. He, he, he was happy when, when the conversation shifted to Oklahoma. Then there was the, uh, the shuffleboard, the full-length shuffleboard, where Graham, Graham Watson, I believe her name was, from Dr. Saturday, was the most evil shuffleboard player I've ever seen in my life. Like, if there is just a puck-sized opening to swing, like a 45-degree right, shot, right, right. she had it every time. You could not get her off that table. <laughs> People in their games. Yeah. You learn a lot about the press. Corey loved that, too. I did, that was the first time I realized that Corey Clark loved shuffleboard. He was all about that. He's like, hey, who wants to play shuffleboard? I'm like, we just got done with the games. Come on, let's go. So we didn't get confirmation on this. No, that's why comments. I, I, don't, I don't go with comments. Well, damn it. 6'4", 250. And people are trolling maybe, too. Very you know? real. Like you know, I mean, uh, come on now. Let's go. Now, if he ends up being right five minutes from now, that's great, but I'm not Well, sure. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> you just want to ding. No, well, the for, the, for the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to be able to ding for the right reasons. I wanna... <laughs> we got to get you, like, different notes so you, can, <laughs> so you can start playing tunes over there. Final thing about the national championship, we'll move on with the show. But, yes, it's, I, I, I refused and I said it on that day, and it's another reason I brought it up today. I remember walking out of that stadium and seeing the relief on your face in particular because I had been fortunate enough. You had to live through the lost decade. I, I, Where we lost in spectacular ways. They weren't all blowouts yeah, like no, now. Constantly, yeah. Like these kids, they wouldn't even know what a close game looks like. I knew what close games looked like, but I knew how to lose, how we lost close games. I had so been many of them. in attendance for Florida State's national championship victories, plural, and I had been there in defeat. I had been able to ride that uh, roller coaster of emotions in the past. I had done it both in defeat and victory. And so, you know, I wanted to win desperately because this was a team that dominated college football in violent manner. And it was something that I thought was fitting for a squad that we knew resoundingly was the best team in college football that year. There was a pro on every step. And you thought to yourself, okay, that, te that team has to win the national title. And I also remember, because of course we could not have predicted what would happen with Jimbo Fisher down the line. But I remember thinking... You, you you maybe don't come back from this if you lose this game to that team with this team. Like, there are unforgivable things. Like, one of the things that can happen is that you get credit for building the team to the place that they could even be in a game of that magnitude, but you also get blamed in a way that I don't know you ever come back from if you lose to that Auburn team who was lucky to even be there and certainly wasn't your equal man for man. And so you thought... Well, you can't lose this game. And in my mind, it actually crossed my mind while we were losing 21 to 10 or whatever it was. It was worse than that briefly. But while that was happening, I remember thinking, man, how am I going to ever trust this son of a bitch again? 
if we lose this game, when will I ever think that we're going to win a big game? Yeah. Uh, you know, or a, 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 a game of this magnitude again. How can I trust him? Yeah, I remember it being in, in the second half, especially. But you got that damp cold in the air that went through the layers. We didn't we didn't pack enough layers. <laughs> we were freezing our ass off. Yeah. Yes, we had our laptops plugged into because we were in the auxiliary press box. Best this place was a break to be. of a lifetime. Turned out to be the best thing. That was a break of a lifetime. Sitting next to a, an, an older man who I think was just a stringer for all of these Rose Bowls and Rose Bowl events, and he was talking about the history of it. Uh, and, he he was awesome. He, he's like, this is the same end zone. If they score here, this is the same end zone that Vince Young ran into. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't put those two things together. Like, of course that happened well, here. Well, you're but... so of the moment. Like, right, everybody's right. so of the moment when those things are happening. And then it's only later that you go back and think about where you were, what else has happened on that field. Yes. Of great, yeah. The number one thing that I wanted to do and I was able to do was walk out onto the field and take a photo of where Kelvin landed in the Auburn paint mm-hmm. for that touchdown. I just wanted, I, I don't know why, but I wanted to see the marks of the tackle because that was the moment. Like, the Kermit-Whitfield moment is is the catharsis of the whole thing. Because, Whitfield! Yes, you ran it down. Yeah. Literally, you yeah. ran them down. Yeah. You finally caught them. And that was huge. I wonder if in this day and age, Auburn probably goes for it on fourth down with the way coaches are, are more brash the way in they, those situations. Yeah, well, I don't think Gus would pucker in that moment. I think he would have gone for it on fourth and goal. They goal. actually now have a better understanding of the, the odds, the percentages. I mean, it's been pounded into their head now. I mean, these things change rapidly, the way we view a sport, a situation, a team, a coach. They're, all, they're constantly evolving. You're right. I mean, nowadays, guys go into seasons well aware that those numbers, it's not a hunch anymore. I mean, this has been computed. We now know. Now, it may not work, but you know what the percentages say, and therefore you are no longer guessing at what is the right thing to do. Well, that's the other side of the emotional swing of the Kermit Whitfield return is that you we're sitting there at first and goal, and you're going, oh, man. The Kermit Whitfield return is the most indelible play of the game. It will be for as long as we live. Every Florida State fan was nearly in tears when yeah. that happened because we had, yes, because we had climbed the mountain. But before that, first and goal, if they score a touchdown, you feel like, oh, it's no. Over. There's just not enough time yeah, left. Yeah, not enough possessions. Right. And then you get the stop. They don't go for it on fourth down. And that third down play, was it looked like it was dangerous in the beginning that it wasn't, so there's the relief. But before you can catch your breath in the relief of, okay, we're still in this, he's in the end zone. That's the, It's so stunning. You didn't have time to set up for it. The touchdown to KB... You had five good minutes. You had five good minutes to to assess what was about to happen, what and was most, happening. And the most underrated play of the game, which is made by an Auburn defender. Yes, on the halfback screen. Jeez Louise, that play, is, that is how you diagnose, hawk down, and make a tackle in a key situation. That's the crescendo, though. That kind of drive is, is akin to a ninth-inning blown save, right? Like you've got, if you're Auburn. You've got time to see what's oh, happening. Oh well, to you. baseball's the worst with that. Yeah, it's the, it's the most hurtful. The thing The Kermit play was like the eleventh inning home run I saw from Aaron Boone. Yeah, That's yeah. the first pitch of the inning. You're Everybody's like, like, all right, settle well, in. We're oh, in for a long. Oh, oh my god! It's over. Oh my god! <laughs> and for us, we're you know, are there any flags on the field? There's no flags. Like that oh, is the one goodness. thing about uh, again reviews in general, and then obviously the way that the way that penalties are called. They, they rob you of the innocence of a moment now in ways they never used to. You you can never, you know, everything has to be reviewed. So everybody sits around kind of, oh, the, did he catch it? 
you should just be able to celebrate. Like the way I, there was a time, I know I sound like an old man. There was a time where when you saw a guy catch a ball and land on the ground, the play was over and the hands are up and we're done. Right, we're celebrating yeah. this. Oh, yeah. We don't have to watch 16 different angles was, to see if it jostled at all. That's a touchdown. The back judge of the umpire, I remember him crawling in one step. Oh, my ball. God. He took his sweet. He's having a look. And I'm like, come on. Mike, because, well, there's nothing to look at. Yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have to do this computation, but the computation in my head is whatever the call on the field is, is what's going to happen. Right. So because please no, just uh, yeah, put yeah, your yeah. hands in the sky. And so he looks but you do, over the ball. Yeah, he's hovering. Bam. And yeah. It's like, ho, ho, ho. It's going to happen. Yeah, man. Oh, well, even then, though, because you don't allow yourself, when, when something is as big as that, when you care that deeply, uh, you don't even allow yourself to believe it, even in that moment, because there's still the matter of making a tackle on a kickoff. And, you know, well, and then also their magic, happen. their ridiculousness yeah, you're like, of that oh. season. I was okay, though. The moment that they snapped the extra point, because they didn't review it, the moment that they snapped the kick for the extra point was the first moment I was like, it, this is it. This is it. Because that means they can't. There is no There is no booth review on no, the Kelvin catch. No, no, no chance. So the to play stands. This. It doesn't matter if he makes this or misses this. We're, I mean, it's, it's they got two plays. Uh, Tom is funny on this one because we'll always remember it, and I don't know why I did it. Uh, I don't know why I did it, but... I, I felt it as, as strongly as I've ever felt anything. When we got the ball back, I mean, I first guessed and told you, and it made yeah. you mad. I said, shut up. I said, <laughs> we're about to win this game. Here we go. Get ready to enjoy this. We're going to win the game. And Tom looked at me like, are you effing kidding me? You just did this. Why would you do that? You know better. Of all people, Jeff, you know better. And I, I've... I knew it is... Oh, we're going to go score. That's the- I, I, said, I said, we're going to go score, yeah, Tom. This great. Is this is over. I see my buddy in Atlanta yeah. saying we got this. I see Sims and Fortson yeah, and Ty but that Jones team and sucked. Uh, you know what I was about to say. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost turned into the old bellying up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what? I, that team. Oh. No, no. I'm telling you. <laughs> well played. Uh, no, I. We had gotten on a roll. Jameis had pulled his head out of his butt, and we. There was not anything, barring a weird fluke play, which almost happened with a tip pass. But right. barring that. Which, you know what? We we might have had a quiet ride home on oh, the bus. Oh, you would have blamed me yep. for a tip I, pass. I would have. Yeah. That would have been my coping mechanism yeah. for, the, for the ride home. Yeah. Been, yeah. Well. We had it, didn't we? <laughs> but not only, well, I doubled down. Because not only did I say before the drive ever occurred, we're about to go win the national championship, enjoy this. I wanted you to take time to enjoy it. Because I certainly did. You saw I was calm. I was calmer yeah, than you are. Well, yeah. I just sat there knowing greatness is about to unfold. Because you'd seen it I, all. But I'm sitting there thinking, how cool. I get to do it again. I get to do this again. I remember at the Sugar Bowl when we beat Virginia Tech and the exact moment, even after Virginia Tech and Michael Vick's furious rally put it in peril, there's a play, there's two plays actually, where I go, oh, that's it. That's it. It's over. They, they can't win. We've got it. It's over. And I remember even then, at the time, Todd Van Dyke going, man, what the hell's wrong with him? This game's over, baby. All right, so what was the most nervous you've ever been for a national championship game? Was it the kick by oh, Nebraska? Yes, yes, yes. In 93, because A, we had never won a national championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My poor father, who had been coming to games forever and a day, I, I drive down there with him to Miami. We're there for three days. I see his childhood home that he moved to. I mean, it's an emotional time. There was just a lot built into that. We had been coming to games for years together. Florida State was such a huge favorite in that game. And here this game's playing out in a way that we never thought. I mean, I thought Florida State was going to boat race Nebraska. As it turned out, that Nebraska team was very, very good as they went on to prove throughout the Yeah, it looks like a better win in retrospect, right? Oh, God, yes. But at the time, and I remember this. Trev Alberts was unblockable. 
that that guy right there, no matter what we think of him today, which is not much, but that dude was unreal. Couldn't block him. That guy made every play on the field. Anyhow, so there we are on the cusp of choking away another one, and, and Bobby had the reputation because of both Miami games, and I'm like, really, really? So what I didn't realize, I asked you guys on the happy hour this year, you and Corey, because Corey's an FSU historian, mm-hmm. so I figured it was the perfect group to ask. Did anybody complain in those days about Bowden's clock management and the I decision did it, to kick? I did every week. With well, I mean, with how much time was left on the clock? Mm-hmm. And Corey, he goes, "Oh, f yeah!" Like right away, I was like, "Ooh, I, I didn't realize that people were so aware of of such situations in the nineties. You never know. The rules, yeah, you know, yeah, we didn't look yeah, at things no, we, that we, way. We like the fourth aware. down discussion we we just had. But I mean, my God, sir! Hey, this, why it gets lost in in this that there was an incredible weakness to Coach Bowden's uh, game, if you will. His his you know coaches have strengths and weaknesses. All of them. Bill Belichick doesn't matter. This isn't like uh, a, a nasty shot to take. But that sideline was never under Bobby Bowden the most organized place. And if you go back and watch all the old films, you'll see that I'm right. And former players will tell you that that wasn't a strength of his game. Clock management wasn't either. And, um, yes, yes, it was first guessed back then, too. It was frustrating. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Seth. Looked like there was a lane on that last play by Auburn. Thankfully, LaMarcus got over there and ended that quick. He did that a lot. He did that a lot. Also, there's a lot of football field to cover. It was okay. Like, from watching it where we were, we had a good angle for that. About the best you can have, um, short of having the, the end zone copy, but that corner, you could see out over the field the whole way. Mm-hmm. Like where Trey Mason did his uh, Heisman pose yeah, was on the done. exact opposite corner of the field. So we're looking at it the whole way. That's where the direction of the pass is. Nah, we had like four or five dudes there. LaMarcus was on the television screen, but we had it. It was okay. Now, my heart still dropped as the lateral was being thrown across the field because you're wondering what what's going on here. But then about a half second later as we see where the ball is going, well, Marcus does cut it off, but there's, there are reinforcements on the way that are unblocked and will not be blocked. Yeah. Oh, buddy. Fun to take a trip down memory lane on an anniversary. The but, one regret, regret, what was it, Elmer Fudd, regret, is uh, I didn't take some of the confetti off the field. That would have been a nice little keepsake to put in. Did you in take a, the sign, the Auburn signs that were stomped on? No, you just took the picture. I took a photo of I it. Took a photo how of close, it too. Yeah, because I just thought how close this is to being in somebody's mantle forever. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's just stomped on by thousands of people. on by Florida State yeah, fans like well after the fact. How fickle these things are. We, we had the incredible good fortune of going into the locker room after the game to witness the celebration, interview the players, and watch the coaches. We had the incredible good fortune. I'll never take this for granted. Walking down onto the field before the presentation, the crystal ball, and all that goodness, uh, uh, and, and talking. Um, you know, I, I, Lawrence Dossie's seeing his face and, and, and watching that come to fruition and, and him watching the celebration from a distance and then turning smiling at us because we had played golf with him before that season began and had a discussion about Jameis Winston. All of it was there. It was just so, you're just never going to beat it. Never going to beat it. And let's hope there's an opportunity to compare, though. Let's hope there's a time. I mean, I can compare to the every national championship game we've played in. I want to compare another one. I would like to do that. I'd like to compare another win and just go, well, this is where the fourth one ranks on my all-time list. Well, you got to talk to a bunch of people in the, in the locker room that you either yeah. used or didn't use, but yeah. I think Meat was one of them, right? Yeah, I talked to, to Meat. Yeah, I talked yeah. to Chris Thompson, which was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to talk to Meat. Charles Kelly, who was a stand-up man and said, I didn't make the call on the kick return. The it kick was Jay Graham. Oh, on the fake punt. No, on the kickoff return. Oh, okay. Which okay. there's symmetry to that. Yes. Because somebody might have taken credit for the punt. 
that may have been able to turn over the, yeah. the credit. I mean, yeah. Charles was a stand-up man in, in that regard. You had a good interview with KB, I think, too. Comes I had a great again. interview with him, yes. Yeah. Um, it was an awkward situation. <laughs> Very awkward situation. Uh, locker rooms can be. That was a tough yeah, one. That's never cool. I like, need to hey, outlaw that. Yeah, man. Not what we do. I just remember kind of looking at the ceiling as I asked questions. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. uh, so, yeah. on that last play, I'm going to keep the eyes up here. <laughs> it's the Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio Award Chat TV. Hey, guys. Our partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it quite literally every single day. I began using AG1 because, I'll be honest with you, I don't like to take a bunch of pills and vitamins and I just wanted something that tastes great, was quick, and easy to remember, so I do it. I do it every morning when I wake up. I certainly have it right after my coffee and before I work out. And I will tell you this, too. It is um, a simple, effective investment for your health. You can try AG1 and get five free AG1 travel packs and a free one-year supply of vitamin D with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash jcs. Again, that's go to uh, – all you got to do is go to uh, – drinkag1.com slash jcs that's drinkag1.com slash jcs check it out it's delicious it's quick it's easy it's proven vitamins probiotics whole food source nutrients start your day with it you'll feel better i promise My kind of story right here. My man Marvin Harrison's back in the news, Tom. Maybe. Marvin. One time Harrison. Maybe. I, I don't know if it was him. Oh, Marvin. One time Harrison. With a bat. Beating a tenant who was short on his rent. On film. Ah, uh, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love Domino, that. Love you, Marvin. Marvin, one time. For those that are new to the show, you do not remember the long-running conversation and the stunned reaction we had when it came to light that Marvin Harrison was a kingpin in his hometown of Philadelphia after being called the classiest person in football. Well, you know, Tom, he just hands the ball back to the official every time he scores. He acts like he's been there before. Plus, he's a great route runner. He stays never, after practice with Peyton. You never see him calling attention to himself. No. Now we know now why. Now we know why. There was the video of him going to the bar that he owned where he pulled a piece out on the lane. <laughs> Perhaps a Desert Eagle. Yeah. Some impressive. Yeah, he had an, a German elephant gun at one point. That he tried to hide, we think. Sorry, the Desert Eagle was at the car wash. That's right. Well, he that gun was what he threw in the bucket after shooting the guy at the bar. I mean, Marvin's done some things now. 
this would be uh, the latest in a string of troubling incidents involving Marvin Harris, and he uh, allegedly attacked a tenant with a bat over the weekend for uh, being late with the rent. I just watched the video, and it's outstanding. <laughs> it's him walking towards the tenant who's, like, basically crying out for help because Marvin has come to collect, and he wants his money. I've asked you one time. <laughs> and that's more than most get. So he owns a string of buildings there in Philly. and mm, Oh, one time. I'm so glad to see him back in the news. I'm telling you, more than any other player, nobody surprised us more when it came to light that Marvin has been involved in some things, including perhaps homicide. Uh, post-career. Listen, uh, you can keep on saying, and Marvin, I want this to be clear, you can keep on saying troubling incidents. I, I will just say unfounded allegations. Okay. That's what I'm going to classify those as. So you remember that guy? There was a guy named Pop who went to the police, um, Dwight Dixon. That was his name, Dwight Dixon, a.k.a. Pop. He accused Harrison of shooting him in April of 2008. Police did a search. They tried to uh, find out what happened there, and they did a they did a search in the state database of gun licenses and, licenses and came up with Harrison's name connected to two of the weapons used in a shooting. Uh, and it led to uh, a conversation between Pops and the police, which turned out to be a really interesting conversation. Unfortunately, some of the angles of the cameras that were uh, filming at that time did not allow for a conviction of Marvin Harrison and his cousin Lonnie Lonnie Anderson, also suspected of the shooting. Um, so it, it occurred down the street from a bar that Harrison owned known called Playmakers. That was the name of the bar that he owned there in Philly. This is like a show. But that happened. All right, and that camera that they found at Playmakers to try to get the third angle was missing three minutes of tape, the three minutes they were looking for, mm. conveniently. So they did not get a conviction. Pops was later killed. Somebody shot him. Chew on that. They don't know. To this day, no idea who shot Pops after he'd gone to the police to talk about having been shot previously at Playmakers. Pops has long since been dead. It's unbelievable, man. That story is crazy. Go read the 2010 GQ story on Marvin Harrison. I mean, the things he's alleged to have been involved in and done in his life. It is. It's the wire. It's unbelievable. And he was a, what, 20 years in the league? Oh, all man. pro wide receiver. <laughs> how in the world? He was buttoned up. That's how. He takes care of loose ends. Oh, he clearly. Yeah. Well, listen, that's another unfounded allegation. What video evidence can you provide <laughs> I have to none. convince me? I have none. Mm -hmm. I have none. But it wasn't as good. None of these stories were nearly as good as the time that Marvin slapped a fan in Hawaii, allegedly, uh, who had asked for an autograph while he was done practicing in the Pro Bowl. And then Marvin ignored the fan's request for an autograph on a football, and the fan doubled down with the request kind of in a pushy way and allegedly was slapped across the face with great gusto by one Marvin Harrison, who I suppose has strong hands.
and then he kept walking. And that could, too, never be proven. Didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> seen the moment that a fan there's your a, autograph i mean how much in that you want yeah that <laughs> autograph's not coming off for two weeks what do you think of that oh man all right i'm done talking about marvin because people are out here telling bamani that i'm talking about marvin now and i did you know no no keep it moving keep that's it right moving, right he is unfounded allegations that's where i'm going to stand on this one it is an all-timer that is still my favorite ah. thing you imagine campus life with Marvin at Syracuse Harrison as he's rising to prominence, I suppose, at the same time? I mean, man. Can you think of another player that uh, you... We don't want to party with Marvin, guys. No. <laughs> That's a different kind of party. I know you're up here for a visit. That's you want to meet Marvin. That's a different kind of party right there. Let's go talk with McNabb. Yeah. We're, we're cool over there, but Marvin, let's leave Marvin him alone. Marvin would have had no time for McNabb. Marvin, Marvin and McNabb are different guys. Very different guys, fundamentally different guys. Are you saying you don't have the heart? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Have this conversation. Imagine if Donovan McNabb was throwing up in the in the huddle and Mc- Marvin Harrison was on that team. McNabb? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even have to make fun of you. He just says your name in a certain way and you go, ooh. So, I, again, we do this every time a Marvin Harrison story comes up. Ooh, I shudder saying the name aloud. Who in the NFL, I mean, go back to that guy's career. Let's go back and revisit the, the, the narrative of Marvin Harrison. He's on Gatorade commercials. Work ethic like no other. Brilliant football mind. Dedicated to the organization, its community. His teammates, Peyton Manning and him, are at all times... Just this symbiotic relationship that is Hall of Fame destined. You won't find two people who work harder together and see eye to eye more than Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. So who would have to have been revealed to be a monster to surprise you more than Marvin Harrison? Work done? Uh, oh, God, that I would mean, be stunning, yes. yes. You've nailed it. Game over. Wouldn't that be the, the most stunning? That's the old bump set spike to yourself. You handle that one completely. Warwick done. That would be truly stunning. That would hurt, actually. I well, would, because we love Warwick hurt. and what he's done in his life is beyond reproach. But I'm just saying, like... Uh, love a fictional scenario where Peyton calls up Marvin. Marvin, uh, now, I know you don't want to take this call, so if you'd like to meet, sit down at the diner. I got something that needs to go away, Marvin, and I've heard you might need to be there. <laughs> The person I talked to. Marvin probably wouldn't speak in that meeting. He wouldn't say a word. He'd just nod. And he passed over a card. That had an address. That had an address and a and phone a, number. Yeah. And that'd be that. And Mar- Marvin would get up, probably pay the bill like a pimp, and walk oh, away. Cash. Cash money. There'd be a hundo. That's it. And he for like a cup of coffee. Was a coffee. That's what, of course he did, because he's a, yeah. He's always up. Yeah. I'm always up. He, That's all he says. <laughs> he gets up. But he loves Peyton. He loves Peyton. Right, because Peyton, Peyton, Peyton gets, works yeah, hard. Peyton works he hard. He gets, it, he gets it done. He knocks the table. It's the same sort of work ethic. They yep. just knock on and he walks away. $100 bill remains. Gets up, walks away. That's the end of it. And then they're at practice that Monday. Marvin walks by, just pats Peyton on the back. It's understood. Peyton's like, all right, let's have us a good day of practice. No more words. Somebody get Marvin a water. <laughs> 
talking about the franchise. Welcome back to Jeff Kimmel, 97.9 ESPN Radio. I'm sorry, Q-Tip. Go. You know my sticky D in here. Get on and swear. It's the yeah. But your girl just moved. With the joint in the club, in the car, the crew. Snake bites customer's head in Mississippi Lowe's store. Awesome. Yes, from the nature wants to kill you file. Although this poor bastard didn't warrant it. And ordinarily, the story begins with me on the air about nature wanting to kill you with rooting for nature because somebody put themselves in a precarious position in, you know, nature. My man went into a Lowe's to avoid nature, to help further advance his abode and keep creatures far removed. And how was he rewarded on tooth at 2.30 on a Saturday? By being bit in the face. Holy Jesus. It's a thing of beauty. What the f*** is that? A terrified shopper bitten between the eyes. Holy Jesus. <laughs> By a snake at a Lowe's store in Mississippi. I'm not a fan of Mississippi for a lot of reasons. Mississippi. Let's add to the reasons. The customer opening a cabinet. You know, I need a new cabinet. Kyle, I think this is the size we was after. When I was talking to you about the uh, the Corinth outlet would have this. I knew that we're at this, the Corinth outlet. Yeah, I knew we'd have this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a gander at this particular cabinet and see if this we can get this where I, you know what I'm talking about, Kyle. It is unclear how the victim managed to dislodge the serpent, which is also known as a black rat snake, corn snake, or pilot snake. They don't know. It's one of those kinds of snakes, according to WTVA in Mississippi. He opened the cabinet probably gleefully. This is the one, Kyle. This is, I'm telling you, the exact one I wanted. I was so pumped about this, and I knew they were on sale, and here we are in the Corinth. Uh, reminds me of Corinthians. Anyhow, the Corinth, uh, the Corinth uh, Lowe's here, and in their own sale. Ah, sweet Jesus, Kyle, get it off. So it locked its fangs between its uh, <laughs> right there at the bridge of the nose. Get you some. The shopper was rushed to Magnolia Regional Health Center for treatment. The patient's current condition is unknown. A spokeswoman for the home improvement store chain said that uh, an investigation is underway. That's code for I can't say anything. We will be sued. Poor little Kane. The police chief there, Ralph Dance. Do you think he's uh, related in some way to Bill Dance, the fisherman? Naturally. Of course. Ralph Dance would not comment further. Ralph said, I got nothing to say about this, what happened in, in the store at Corinth. 
chicken snakes can grow up to five feet long. They can climb up smooth wood surfaces like a cabinet. They like to feast on rodents and birds, and in this case, Kyle's friend's face. It's a hell of a thing to be in a Lowe's checking out cabinets. Again, expecting safety from the elements. Because I'm in a freaking Lowe's. This is what we do. They've got They've got caulking. We've got fences. Chain link and the like. I've got all that I need to keep nature out and away from me. I need to get some caulking done. Caulking and cabinet buying today, Kyle. Oh, the love that is all and holy. This is untenable. This snake is on my face. I should have gone to the caulking first. Why didn't we go to Home Depot, Kyle? That is, I just like the line, a terrified shopper. Well, sweet Jesus. This looks like a good cabinet. <laughs> just snake leaping, the snake lunging out. It's like these stories you read where people find snakes in toilets. He probably got relocated from, like, the Midwest, and that's just where the hub for his business is. And he's like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to make the most of it. Go to Lowe's, get some creature comforts. <laughs> he's a New Yorker by way of the Midwest. That's right. Into the, into the Mississippi Lowe's in Corinth. This is one of those things. Well, you're right. It's a snake to the face. This is very different than anything else we've ever talked about on the show. I've said on the show before, when people get attacked by sharks, there's always the guy that goes and swims to his friend's aid. We had an FSU uh, a, a woman a alumnus here that was in the alumni magazine. I remember sitting there reading that at my house going, <gasps> you know, out there in, I think it was San Diego, wherever it was. Guy she was swimming with, training for a triathlon, gets bitten in half. It's awful. I mean, by a great white shark. And she sees the shark and swims back and helps him. Oh. I always wonder, would I be that? Would I do that? You don't know until you're in the position. If you see your friend in, in, in pain, you might, you might do, do something you didn't think you were capable of. But I was just saying, if a snake leapt from a cabinet at Lowe's, first of all, I really just can't foresee a time that Tom and I are at Lowe's together. I just can't. I, he and I hang out in lots of ways. I just don't ever see us at Lowe's. I'm together. not getting that way either. No, don't you ever let no, me turn to that guy no. who's like, hey, Jeff, you know, me and the missus, I, I got to go to Lowe's. No, Let's no, get, no, no, no. I got a deck I'm building. You're going to help me build the deck? I helped. Well, helped is a loose definition of what I did. I I, I aided Matt Millar in building a deck at his house. I didn't do a lot of the Pay way. people to do it. Well, I, I don't will. get that. I pay people to do it. That's right. People, like, guys love to build their own stuff. I'm like, dude, no. Well. It's like it doesn't involve electronics. Yeah, no, I'm no not, air conditioning. I'm not a big fan either. But some people are really good. I wish I was good at it. They're like addicted to getting splinters. I'm just in, I'm I have admiration for the guy that can build his own deck or whatever he's fixing. Like Matt can do all that hey, stuff. If he wants to build my future deck, yeah, he's got beers for a year. Yeah, you'll pay him right. It's the right thing to do. Plus cash, right? Whatever, <laughs> here, dude. Here's some beers. Go build my deck. Yeah. I don't think that's getting it done. Yeah, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna give you a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, I think it's getting it done. Cash. Um, no, I'm just, you know, you read these stories where people are in need. Nature is attacking, and there's somebody that comes to their aid, renders aid. I'm just thinking I'm, I'm not the one. If if a snake leapt from a cabinet while you and I were at Lowe's and latched itself onto your face, <laughs> I'd run and get you help. That's kind of fun right. I yeah, am. Yeah. I would run and get you help. I honestly believe, given my 
I would curse. Issues with, with critters. Yeah. I am more likely to help somebody in a holdup situation. Somebody's got a gun pulled on them. I'm probably more likely to help you in that situation than I am with a snake attached to your face. I don't know, man. You're running to get the guy with the vest. That's all He's you're doing. He's got the vest. That's He's why gotta he got to help. Hey. Yo. You, vest boy. You I are need you obligated. To help this guy out. He's got a snake attached to my friend's face. If you have the apron on, too. Who would believe you, too? Like, if he was around the corner and wasn't witnessing this horrific thing, and you ran around the corner and were like, Hey, buddy, my friend's being attacked by a snake in the face in the cabinet aisle. I don't think I'd do it like a pseudo Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I'd probably have real fear in my voice. Oh, he's bit in the face. <laughs> he's bit. What if I figure straight in the face? Snake. <laughs> that is so awful.